1: We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. As we've seen over and over during our study of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and now Ezekiel, God is handing down some very hard punishments, some very harsh judgments against his people, Judah, who have sinned against him, who have worshiped false idols, who have forsaken the covenant, and who have forsaken him in many other ways and been an abomination to him. Yet at the same time, we've seen glimpses of of hope. We've seen glimmers of the gospel, and we're going to see a little bit of that today and remind ourselves through this what God's redemptive plan is all about and how it's going to unfold and how we can avoid really stepping into some traps when we read texts like the one we're going to read right now, chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. Yet I will leave some of you alive, When you have among the nations some who escaped the sword, and when you are scattered through the countries, then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive. How I have been broken over their whoring heart that is departed from me, and over their eyes that go whoring after idols. And they will be loathsome in their own sight for the evils that they have committed, for all their abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord." I have not said in vain that I would do this evil to them. First of all, remember, we can't accuse God of committing evil. It makes it sound like that's the case at the end of verse 10. And we've dealt with that in other podcasts, so we won't deal with that again today. But God is not guilty of evil in this punishment. God is righteously carrying out his justice, and that's a good thing. So God is going to spare some people. Some people are going to live. And not only is his grace shown in the fact that some people live, because frankly, everybody should die. So he, he's showing his grace in just allowing people to have their life, but also because he allows them to have their life when they're in these other countries and when they see everything that happened to everybody else and when they realize why that was done because of the sin that those people committed, including the ones who remain alive, the ones who remain alive will be very somber. It says they'll be loathsome in their own sight for the evils they have committed. In other words, they will be convinced that their sin was truly evil and they'll be be convinced that God is truly holy and righteous and that he was just in punishing this sin and of course this is very good because it helps those people recapture a correct view of God and a correct view of their their position in front of God And of course, God's going to use a remnant of these folks who are saved and whose hearts are changed to come back to Jerusalem and back to Judah and reestablish the worship, rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls. And out of this line of people that survives, we're going to see the Messiah, Jesus Christ, come to earth. And of course, everything changes when he gets here because he's going to provide the perfect sacrifice, the sinless sacrifice. Death, and he's going to rise again to defeat sin, death, the power of the devil, so that anybody who puts their faith and trust in Christ alone can be forgiven, can have their sin not counted against them, can stand holy and blameless before God. This is obviously very good news. Now, here's the pitfall that we can step in when we read a text like this. You might read this and think, well, the people who are spared are going to realize how bad sin is, and then what they're going to do is they're going to behave better. And by behaving better, then they're going to be in right standing with the Lord. And friends, that's just not the way it works. That's a moralistic view. That's this idea that we can somehow, by our own strength or by our own conviction, when when God reminds these people of how bad sin is, that somehow they're going to have this ability to change their behavior and to live perfectly and satisfy the righteous requirements of the law. But that's simply impossible. The truth is, friends, that every one of us is guilty of whoring after idols, as this text says, or turning our eyes toward idols. And so there's going to have to be a better solution than God just getting really harsh punishment on his people and hopefully teaching the people who live how to live better and behave better. This is... difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant simply isn't going to work. And in the book of Hebrews, it's interesting, chapter seven and chapter eight, the writer of Hebrews talks about the law, the law in the Old Testament, the old covenant, the law doesn't make anything perfect. Actually, what the law does is the, the law illuminates the fact that we can't follow the law. And once we are aware of the fact that we can't follow the law, then we've got to find a different solution for meeting God's righteous standard because it's not going to come from us being good or trying harder or after a severe punishment, changing our heart and our mind and then finally obeying God. That's just not who we are. We're sinful, we're imperfect, we're incapable of that. The law is not going to make us perfect. We need to find another way. And that other way is Jesus Christ because law because Jesus Christ did follow the law perfectly. Jesus Christ did obey it. He did not sin. He was able to do what we are unable to do. And through his, his perfect following of the law, and then his death and resurrection, which opens up the ability for us to also be perfect followers of the law, not by our own works, but by faith in the one who did follow the law. That's the new way. That's the new covenant. And this covenant is written about in Hebrews, which ties the old covenant, the old way of things to the new understanding of how things work. And this is the gospel. We can never for a second think that somehow we're going to by our own good works, by our own good deeds, by our own human efforts, satisfy God's requirements for living right, living perfectly. It's not going to happen. And even these people in Ezekiel who are going to live and who are going to have a severe lesson taught to them, and they're going to have some very somber thoughts, and they are going to turn back to the Lord, and they are going to be faithful to Him in a way that they weren't before, but they'll never be perfectly faithful They need someone else to be perfectly faithful for them. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. We're getting ready to celebrate that this week. This is Holy Week. And we pray that you'll have a great week as you're reminded again of what God did, the great lengths he went to, to reconcile us to himself through his son, Jesus. Praise the Lord for that.
0: Amen.